Welcome to this green church. We're a Christian community on a mission to raise saviors, believers that are righteous and supernatural, to succeed, lead, and have transformational societal impact. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to be a part of this amazing service. Be blessed as you listen. Colossians 1.15 Yeah, Colossians 1.15. The sun is the image of the invincible God, the firstborn over all creation. So the sun is the, you know, visible manifestation. The sun, you know, makes the invincible God, invisible God, visible. So, the sun reflects God. In fact, it's, much be- it's beyond, an, beyond a reflection, you know. But that's, you know, that's probably the best English we have for it, okay? But the sun manifests to us the personality, the character, the nature of God. All right? So, the Son shows us what the Father is like. He is the image of the invisible God. So, if you want to understand God, look at Jesus. This is so important, okay? We can't say it enough. Alright? John 6.38 For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Telling us that whatever he did, whatever he says, okay, is the will of the Father. All right? And we see in Luke 9, verse 51 to 56, that when he was going to, to, to the Samaritan town, okay, and they did not receive him, they bounced him. They bounced Jesus. All right? And the disciples said, let us call down fire like Elijah did. And Christ rebuked them saying, we don't do that here. All right? You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. Okay? So telling us that even though Elijah did call down fire, okay, that is not the nature of God revealed. Hallelujah. All right, that's very important. All right. So the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. Okay, so God is not in the destruction. God is in the salvation business. God is not in the destruction business. He is in the salvation business. God is not in the destruction business. He is in the salvation business. So the fingerprint of God is not in destruction. It's in the salvation Again, the fingerprint of God is not in the destruction. It's in the salvation. Let's go to Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hmm. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
45. That you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. All right? 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the task collectors doing that. 47. And if you only greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So he says, in not being vengeful, in not being vindictive, in not being what we call in our day petty, you are being like your heavenly Father. That is in the nature of your Father. To, to, to pay evil with good. In Isaiah, we see in Isaiah, that don't you know that God's goodness should lead to repentance? So God, God doesn't beat us to repentance. That's not, that's not God's plan for us. Okay? That is God's goodness that leads people to repentance. It's why God healed sinners, healed the unsaved, healed everybody. Okay? He didn't tell them, be saved now, then get healed. No. He healed because God's goodness is meant to lead us to repentance. All right? Awesome. John 1 18. John 1 18. John 1 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, as a place of the Father, has made him known. Says, who is himself God, you know, as in place of the Father, says, he has made him, he has made him known. So that no one has seen God. Jeremiah didn't. Moses didn't. Uh-huh. But Jesus says he came from the Father to make the Father known. Meaning that, take my word about the Father for it. Alright? You must put my word about the Father over what anybody else says about the Father. 1 John 5.20 First John 5:20. We also we know also that what the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. I like this part so much. All right, so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true by being in His Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So that the, the only way we know him is by the understanding of his character that Jesus provides. Hallelujah. It's in understanding, you know, his character through the person of Jesus that we know him. So I can't know God outside of Jesus. That's so important. So, so Jesus reveals God's character. All right? So, so what we're doing in, in this series is to examine Scripture in the light of Jesus. To see God through the eyes. Okay? Through what Jesus reveals. What's the permission idiom? That God is said to do what he permitted by not intervening. All right? Or what he said will happen as a consequence. All right? 
For when the deity has condescended to speak by the mouth of men, he has always left them to use most of, most of expression, current and intelligible in the age in which they lived. That when deity has condescended to speak by the mouth of men, he has always left them to use the modes of expression that are current and intelligible in the age in which they lived. James 1, 13, 17. James 1, 13 to 17. James 1, 13 to 17. All right? When tempted, when in trial, when persecuted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For what? God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 15. As I has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 16. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Wow. He says, only good things come from your Father, and it does not change like Nepal light. Like, you know, amen. It does not change. Glory to Jesus. So that you can expect some, 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 some steadfastness from God, consistency from God, okay? It's always consistent. It does not change like shifting shadows. So God is not sovereign over human choices. Let me explain. God is not deciding what you do next. God is not making you do what you do. God is not sovereign over human choices. God does not seize your will. Remember I told the scripture to yield to the spirit of God, to yield to the spirit. Meaning that we can choose not to yield. Amen. God is not sovereign over human choices. To say that God is, is to say that God is the cause of the world the way it is now. That when someone shot somebody, shot those, those people in the church in our world, that God made them do it. All right? Some, we have people making some weird explanations, some very weird explanations, that, that God did it for, his, for some glory we don't know about. That, you know, those bad things happen for some mysterious glory. We see in Scripture that God's glory is in prayer answered. The sick is healed is God's glory. That's, that's what we see in Scripture through the ministry of Jesus. That it is in the ministry of just the sick healed, you know, the blind, the blind, dead raised, that will see the glory of God. So the glory is not in the problem. That's so important. God does not tempt or permit evil to see if you will act right. So I, I just stumbled on something on Twitter yesterday about how some people give radio stations their boyfriend's number or girlfriend's number to prank them to see if they make a mistake and call another guy or another girl's name 
I hope you don't think that your God is like that. I hope you don't think that your God is like that. That will make something happen to see if you will stand or if you will fall. I really hope that that is not how <laughs> you see your God. All right? God doesn't discuss with the devil to test you. God doesn't discuss with the devil about you. They don't talk. They don't talk. They're not, they're not, they're not, talking, they're not in talking terms. They don't have conversations. They are not in talking terms. They are not in talking terms. They are in casting out terms. Whatever. Casting out terms. Out. Jump, fly. But they are not on Kama Soro. How are you today? Have you seen my daughter Bolu? He doesn't do that. Also, the devil doesn't go to ask God for permission to afflict you. Doesn't go to ask God for permission to afflict you. Again, they are not on talking terms. If God is at least as good as me, <laughs> that cannot happen. I will talk with my arch rival, my enemy that is my children, not talk to him about my children. Amen. Oh, um, Shekau, have you seen my daughter, Bulu? Can, can you imagine how weird that is? That's Shekau. You get, we're now in the same place. And we'll be talking and discussing my children. March 7, 11 says, If you've been evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those? You know, so if, if we, as we are, you know, who we are, don't act like that, our Father in heaven can obviously not act like that. So we have to be careful with our, with what we conclude about the person and nature of God. Light has no fellowship with darkness. Light has no fellowship with darkness. So, what then happened to Job? Can we possibly believe that there was a banter in heaven? Just think of it alone can sink in somebody. It can scare the shit out of you. That's, just imagine. <laughs> it's a light to takite in heaven. Who gets that kind of joke now? People are straight boys, Lagos. When they say, Mofaye, takite. Okay? <laughs> that God and the devil will sit together to discuss you. Let's go there. Let's go to Job 1. Job 1 and 2. Was Job a bet between two divine forces? Between two, you know, supernatural forces? Okay. Did God allow his family to be killed to prove a point? Because people now say, you know, in the end, Job got back everything he lost plus his family. No. And those, ones, those ones left, you know, he got a new family. You got my point here. So are we saying that God, you know, allowed his family to be destroyed to prove some points? Let's go to Job 1. So it's a long read because I think Job 1 and 2. 
In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Verse 4, his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Verse 5, when they prayed of feasting at Ronnie's course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, sacrifice a burnt orange of them, thinking, perhaps, my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. So, Job went as far as saying sorry for him before he offended God. That God, in case so, you know, knowingly or knowingly, okay? I'm sorry, that, that's how far, how far Job, Job went, okay? Just, just to try to be righteous, that's how far he went. So, he was a kind of good guy, all right? Verse 6, look at this. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. Verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan said the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Verse 8, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Verse 9. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Verse 10. Have you not put a edge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed of his hands so that his flocks and heads are spread throughout the land. Verse 11. But now, stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and it will surely cause you to your face. So, in this verse, the Bible says here that the devil told God to stretch out his hand and strike Job. Verse 12, the Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Is that what I have prayers of the Lord? Okay. So, Satan told God, God, you strike this guy. And according to this verse, God said, it's in your hands. No? So I don't kill him. <laughs> verse 13. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest, older brother's, oldest brother's house, verse 14, messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were gazing nearby and the servants attacked and made off with them. They put servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Verse 16. While he was still speaking, Namaste came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants. I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Please pause. Now, we already know that the devil went out to do harm. But this guy says, this guy came and said, The fire of God came down from heaven and consumed stuff. But we know whose fire this is. From here, we know it's the devil that went out to do harm. But this guy said, the fire of God. Ah, all right. 17. While he was still speaking, yeah, he came and said, 
the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. <laughs> what a great deal. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, yeah. Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Verse 20. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. Look at this. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. 22. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. This is not the vibe we think it is. Something ridiculously bad happened. He lost everything in one day, including his children. And Job here said, the Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How do you see God as loving, as caring, and conclude that the Lord gave and the Lord took away? That's even asking you, can I take it? <laughs> Okay. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Okay, verse 1. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Please pause. Can we assume? That God asked him last time. Again, asked him this time. How are you today? That's basically it. Satan, how is your day going? What have you done today? Where are you coming from? They were not answered. No. <laughs> hey, okay. Satan answered the Lord. From, like they are just in, okay? From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Verse 3, then the Lord said to Satan, Again, no. I thought the one of chapter 1. Okay. <laughs> Have you concerned my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. All right. And he still maintains integrity, though he started me against him to ruin him without any reason. Verse 4, skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now, stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and it will surely cause you to your face. Verse 6. 
Yeah, very well then, is in your hands, but you must spare his life. Verse 7. Yeah, and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the corner of his head. Verse 8. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Verse 9. His wife said to him, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Cause God and die. Verse 10 replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Look at this again. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Which God did Job think he knew here? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Sir, he has sinned. When you say God is doing evil, that's, you know, is, there's a legal term for it, okay? Um, is it slander? Slander? Legal term for talking, talking wrong about, about somebody? Hey, damn it, Lord. If you're on Twitter, okay. <laughs> okay. Now, my first question. Who told the writer about this so-called meeting? Was it there? Was it a vision he had? Did God tell him that? Knowing the personality of God, that God doesn't test anybody with evil, you cannot conclude that God planned with Satan to see if Job will react wrongly in crisis. So also, you can't read James 1 and say God does good and then does evil. Now, not even small evil. This guy was completely shattered, wrecked. You cannot put this to God's nature. If you then been evil, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask of him? Act 38. How God Another word, just Christians and Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and your power, he went about doing good. And doing what? Healing others who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So we see all over scripture that healing is the fingerprint of God, not destruction. We see also, when he told them in Luke, that if I through the finger of God, okay, has healed this man, then God's kingdom has come upon you. To show that God's oppression is in deliverance, rescue, Freedom, not in oppression. So this, 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 this is what you know, I see in this scripture. That this, 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 this analysis of Job's events is people's opinion of what happened. People's opinion of what happened is showing their, their own theology of God, not, 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 not what God is actually about. It's showing what people in that space, in that age, thought about God. They sort of felt like, you know, God runs everything. If you see good, if you see bad, God is involved in it. But we know from Scripture that God is only good. God is only kind. Okay? God doesn't use bad things to see how his children will react. He's not not trying to check out to see if he goes through a bad year, will he still save me? He's not checking. 
Hallelujah. All right, so we must judge these things from the nature of Jesus. What Christ said about his father. The thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life. 1 John 3.8. 1 John 3.8. 1 John 3.8 If you walk without knowledge of who Christ is into the Old Testament books, you, you will step on many landmines. It's in Christ that the veil is taken away. Okay? It is in Christ that the veil is taken away. If you read books of the prophets, without knowledge of Christ. Oh boy. First John 3, let's go together. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Why? Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Okay. So it says here, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. The Son of God was manifested to destroy the devil's works. So God and Satan don't cooperate. They are arch rivals. Not like, not like they are mates, but you get the point, okay? Son of, son of man, son of the son of God, has come to destroy the works of the devil. So you can't see his work and say they spoke about it. They agreed on it, okay? This is what some men taught in their dispensation. And in Christ, we see God clearly. Hallelujah. So, our knowledge of what Christ is, of what God is, what God can do, must begin from what God said about himself in Jesus. Hallelujah. Are we still together? Is that good enough? Is that good enough? Okay? So, light doesn't have partnership with darkness. That's in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 17. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 17. 1 John 1, 5 and 1 John 3, 8. Okay? Light does not have any friendship or communication with darkness. If you assume that God does good things and bad things, you will see many bad things because he has given the devil free room. Amen. If you assume that God does good and bad, the devil will show you shaggy because when you see his works, you won't, you won't resist it. You think it's God that is doing you both good and bad. All right? This doctrine, however ridiculous, is very popular. Glory to Jesus. God is not doing me weird stuff to bring some weird glory from it. Do you understand? God is not doing me strong thing. To bring some weird glory. Amen. Alright? So when you see evil, resist. Resist. Not welcome. Don't say, is it God? It cannot be God. Resist. Resist. Stand your ground. Alright? That's very important, okay? So we have to see these things in light of the, of the Testament, okay? What it says about God, you know, in the person of Jesus. The one that gives only good gifts, alright? Not sicknesses, not evil. Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? 
and say, Daga, take stuff for my glory. Amen. Okay. Verse 10. <laughs> if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil or though you are carnal, regular men, okay, know how to give gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask of him. All right? This is important. Glory to Jesus. Okay. Let's see Exodus 4, 18-26. When, in quotes, God tried to kill Moses. Exodus 4, verse 18-26. to Exodus 4, verse 18 to 26. Once to go, then Moses went back to Joshua's father-in-law and said to him, Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Joshua said, Go, and I wish you well. Verse 19. Okay. Verse 19. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. Verse 20. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hands. Okay? Verse 24 now. 24 now. 24. 24. At a lodging place on the way. Look at this. The Lord met Moses, or when you, see, when you read NIV, if you click it, it says, the Lord met him. Meaning that when you read, when you read the Hebrew of it, okay, it says in, in the Hebrew of it, the Hebrew of it says, the Lord met him. Okay, so it could be Moses or one of his sons. The Lord met him, or it could be Moses. Okay? Are we together? And was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin, and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. 26. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to the circumcision. Okay. So imagine, please follow me, that. You are with me now. Okay? And I'll send you on an errand while going where I sent you. And I'll try to kill you. I sent you there, but while you're on your way, and I'll chase you to try to kill you. Amen. I sincerely hope that is not the kind of God we think we serve. All right? So, what Bible scholars conclude here is that, okay, that either it was Moses or his son fell seriously ill on the way to Egypt. Amen? So, the, 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 the wife pretty, pretty circumcised her son, okay, and put the skin on Moses' leg. And at that, okay, the child, if it was a child, or Moses, became well. All right. If God wants to kill somebody, 
Can he miss? I've seen those films where someone says, you know, I'm best sniper in my Keneko Keneko, I don't miss. So I've seen the shooter, okay? I don't miss. Okay? I hope you know that God wants to snipe you. He cannot miss. He wants to snipe you. He will snipe you. He can't miss. So if God was trying to kill Moses, he could not miss. So what happened here is that I think it's very possible that it's Moses' son, okay, that fell seriously ill on the way to Egypt. And because circumcision sort of, you know, saved him here, I would conclude that he was, 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 was not circumcised. And in so doing, he was not under God's protect, protective covenant. You know, when we read Genesis 15, no, Genesis 17, let me go, let me go there. Genesis um, 17, 9 to 14, Genesis 17, 9 to 14, that God told Abraham that you must circumcise all the sons in your house. That anyone, anyone that is not circumcised will be cut off from Israel. Amen? Meaning that anyone that is not circumcised cannot be part of my covenant with you. So that this circumcised thou you know that, okay, as a family, as sons, we are under God's protection. So it looked as though by being circumcised, okay, either it was Moses that, 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 that now, you know, made room for himself to be attacked by not circumcising his son, or that his son himself was attacked, okay? But the issue here is that he was uncircumcised. And I've been circumcised, okay? He could now get back under God's protection. And God rescued the child, or him, whether it was that was sick here. So it's not as though God himself was trying to kill him, but that by not being circumcised, it was not part of God's protective covenant. So I believe strongly that God must have prompted Zipporah or Moses' circumcision. Do the right thing, quickly, before you die. You understand? And in doing so, he was healed. But not that God tried to kill him. The brother now saved him. Come on. Amen. All right? Again, God is said to do what he permitted by not intervening. Tell you when he cannot intervene. All right? But I believe God's, God's, God's intervention here was to prompt Zipporah to quickly do the right thing. All right? What they literally did, they literally played the blood. What she just literally did is to plead the blood covenant. How she did. By cutting that, cutting that skin, okay, she was literally pleading the blood to say, we are part of your covenant by the blood. So we are, you know, we deserve protection. So in doing that, the hand of the afflictor was stopped. Exodus 12, 12 to 13. Exodus 12, 12 to 13. Exodus 12, 12 to 13. Are we there? Exodus 12, 12 to 13. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. Verse 13. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is to say that the blood covenant, okay, you know, binds God to his people. That when plagues 
fly about to take them. They can say, nope, not here, not my house. Okay, we belong to God by blood covenant. Hallelujah. So God is not the one sending affliction, okay? He's not, the one, he's not the one that tried to kill Moses, no. Okay, he's the one trying to protect Moses. All they have to do is remember, okay, God, we are in covenant with you by the blood. And that was that. Are we still together? Are we still together? Are we good, good, good? Are we still friends? All right. Let's see one final example. One final example for tonight. Exodus 25 to 6. Exodus 25 to 6. Exodus 25 to 6. Once you go, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who ate me. Okay? But showing love to thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. <laughs> so this verse can be read to mean that when a father sins, God will punish his generation, <laughs> the next one, up until the fourth. Amen? Then it, could all, it also means again by consequence that when a generation, a father does well, God will bless all his children to a thousand generation. Just like that. Okay. What we should, what, what we should really see here, number one, is that God's mercy far outweighs his judgment. By ratio 4 to 1,000. Amen. That God's mercy far outweighs his judgment by ratio 4 to 1,000. But we know in, script, in Scripture that the soul that sins shall die, not his cousin or his children. Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? Look at this. The parents eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on the edge. Okay, another version says, just hold on, I'll show you another version. Yeah. Ezekiel 18, verse 1. Okay, the ARV. Is it read version says, verse 2. Why do you people say this proverb? Look at this. The parents ate the sour grapes, but the children got the sour taste. That the parents made the mistake, the children paid for it. God is asking them. God is asking them. Why do you people say this nonsense proverb? God is asking them, why do you say I am like this? Why are you lying against me? Why are you saying I punish children for their father's sins? That's, do you get my point? He was asking them. We have many foolish proverbs, even to today. That's where did you get this one from? We're still together. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone belongs to me, the parents as well as the child. Both alike 
belongs to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Verse 5. Suppose the righteous man does what is just and right. Yeah. Yeah, idols of Israel. Doesn't he find his neighbor's wife? <coughs> okay. <laughs> I had to get that reaction. All right. Um, okay. This is God's dealings with Israel. This is the laws that they had. Okay? When, when the man is in a period, you beware. Okay? Amen. But not in our day. You flow like that, the Lord is your spirit. Okay? Amen. Sorry. Verse 7, he does not oppress anyone, but returns what he took in pledge for a loan. He does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. Verse 8, does not lend to them at interest or take a profit from them. He withholds his hand from, wrong, from doing wrong and judges fairly between two parties. He follows my decrees and faithfully keeps my laws. That man is righteous. He will surely live, declares the sovereign Lord. Verse 10, suppose he has a violent son who sheds blood or does any of these other things, though the father has done none of them. This is everything down, okay? Verse, verse 13, he lends as interest and takes a profit with such a man live. He will not. Okay, so he listed everything that every, every person his son has, has done and said, with this child now live because his father was good. Okay, says he will not because he has done all these detestable things. He is to be put to death. His blood will be on his own head. Verse 14, but suppose this son has a son who sees all the things that has committed and though he sees them, does not do such things. Okay, let's set everything again together and let's get to verse, verse 17. He withholds his hands from receiving the poor and takes no interest or profit from them. He keeps my laws and follows my decrees. He will not die for his father's sins. He will surely live. But his father will die for his own sin because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was wrong among his people. 19. Yet you ask, look at these people. Look at, just pause. Look at these people. Look at their thinking. Verse 19. Yet you ask, why does the son not share the guilt of his father? What kind of people are these people? So you, want, you can see how they think. They're asking God, why, how is that fair? If father did it, you should all suffer for it. Wow. Since the son has done what is just and right, and has been careful to keep all my decrees, it will surely live. The one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor the parent share the guilt of the child. Righteousness of righteous, created to him, yeah. 21. But if a wicked person turns from, from his sins that have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live. They will not die. Verse 23. 23. Do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked, declared sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and leave? So, God is saying here, 
he does not punish people's children for people's sins. When Nathan told David, because of what you have done, your kids will do so and so and so, so and so will happen to them. He was not, you know, punishing the children for their father's sins. He was telling Moses what he has done with his own hands will bring to his family. Because there is a way the behavior and character of fathers affect their children. So even though we don't pass down guilt, we can pass down sin. Do you understand, guys? Family members here, people, people of God, all right? That even though we don't pass down guilt, we can pass down wrong behavior. Many times people become their fathers. So when fathers or mothers, parents do wrong, children take over and do extra. All right? So if a generation, you know, did so bad, what happens is that their children will do likewise and even more. So we are in days now where some things have become legalized, meaning that whatever we get from that generation, okay, next one also might get from the same consequence because they will take after what we have done and continue, except something drastic happens. So it's not that, it's not that God punishes people for, that, for that people's, other people's sins, but that things are transferable. Character is transferable. People take after their parents. So God is not punishing children for the sins of their fathers, but rather sins are passed down to the children and the children, children. What I do, my son many times does likewise. So I have to be careful what I do because it's looking and seeing what I do. So from, from an hypocrite, God forbid it, he will hypocrite very well. All right? Yeah, so. So it's not as though God is punishing people for other people's sins, but that sin is transferable, so also is consequence. But that if a father or generation did so bad, but the children did not do, do so bad, they will not reap their father's consequences. All right? So we let Scripture explain Scripture. We let Jesus explain God. And where we'll see things that look out of character, that look out of place from love. Before we reach ethic conclusions, sit down, pause, think about it. Remember all these things I've taught us, okay? They can reach, you know, a more accurate conclusion about God's nature and what happened in those verses. Remember that God is said to do what he permitted by not intervening. That when men reject God, God has to reject them, okay, to respect their choice of rejecting them. Also remember that sin carries in itself its own seed of destruction. This one says, when sin has fully matured, sin gives birth to death. So death is inside sin. So that one day, if people give them what they are doing, the death will come. Doesn't necessarily mean they will die physically, but death, you will see the fruit of death. Broken trust, broken relationships, sicknesses, affliction. Okay, but a sin carries in itself its own seed of death. So, in a country where we see 
death in many places by our own corruption, our own wrong dealings, because sin carries in itself its own seed of death. Okay? Righteousness exhausts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. All right? In James 5, James 5 says, Is anyone sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray for him, to anoint him with oil, okay? And the prayer of faith will save the, will, will save the person. And if he has sinned, God will forgive him. It says, therefore, question another, and pray for another that he might be healed. What's he saying? That sickness, many times, sometimes, can be a fruit of sin. That when people live in sin, they open the door to affliction. So, people can be believers, can be church members, having in them the Holy Spirit, but with their sin, still open the door to affliction. Amen. God can be inside of you, okay? Which he is, if you're a believer, and you can still open the door to affliction by your wrongdoings. So, it's why we can't afford to take sin lightly, all right? But we'll see God's fingerprint in healing. He says, if he has sinned, when he comes, he, he, he opens up to God, confesses, you know, Lord, I did this, okay, but I'm done, okay, that the edge of protection will be restored, okay, and he will be healed. Christ told that guy that was healed also in Scripture, he says, don't go back to, your, to that sin so that a far greater problem will not come upon you. All right? So God it's not in the, in the business of affliction, but in the business of deliverance and restoration. All right? So when you see evil, don't attribute it to God. The believer in Christ is meant to resist the devil. Hallelujah. So when you see what you don't want in your life, you go to war against it. You don't say it is God that did it. Otherwise, don't go to the hospital. If it's God that is doing you, just enjoy it. You know? Hallelujah. We hope you were blessed by that sermon. Chance to growth and global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9 a.m. and Wednesday by 6 p.m. to be a part of our family. Remember, you are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.